Am I on? There we go. My name is Tim, one of the pastors here at Brookside, and it is so glad to see all of you here with us this morning. Whether it's your first time here, whether you've been with us here for years and years, really glad to have you worship with us this morning. And then let me say, too, how excited I am about some of the things we have coming up this week. Rob mentioned just a few minutes ago the night of worship on Wednesday. Really hope to see a ton of you out here for that. It's going to be a great time. And then don't forget that this whole coming week, so starting tomorrow, Monday through Friday, we're inviting any of you who want to to join us for a fast. Or, or even if you don't want to, right, but are willing to do this, we're inviting you to join with us in this. And, and if fasting for a week is just way too long for you, if you've never tried anything out like that before, then really just encourage you to take one or two days and to, to kind of to take steps into fasting that way. And if you're new to fasting, what it is, is, is it's not like we're earning brownie points with God or anything like that. What fasting is, is it's just saying no to one thing, usually a good thing, something we want, saying no to one thing so we can say yes to something better. What we're saying yes to as a church is we want to lean more specifically, more intentionally into seeking more of God. This flows out of everything we've seen in this Seek More series that we've been in over the last few weeks. We want to know God better as a church. We want to see Him do immeasurably more in us and among us. And so fasting, what it does is it really cultivates an appetite or, or stirs our hunger for more of God. So, all right, so now uh, let's jump into what we have for today. Well, as we planned this Seek More series that we've been in, the guiding factor for us has been the prayers of Paul's, uh, the prayers of Paul in the book of Ephesians, where we've just been asking, what sorts of things does the Apostle Paul pray for in this New Testament letter? What are the things that he wants more of? Because, because when you see somebody pray for something, you, you see what's closest to their heart. So, so what's at the top of the apostles, at the, uh, at the top of the apostle Paul's prayer list, right? And so this isn't just us looking back 2,000 years ago to seeing what one guy was praying for. We believe that the Bible is still speaking today, and so we want to follow its authority. So, so as we're looking at these prayers, we're really just asking, how do we own these same things ourselves? What do these prayers mean for us, mean for you today? And so we saw in Ephesians 1 a couple weeks ago that we want to seek more of God. We want to know Him and not just know more about Him. I mean, knowing God truly and factually is good. I mean, that's part of it, but it's not the end of it. We want to really know God in a, in a relational, experiential sort of way. We want to know God better. And then last week, we looked at Ephesians 3, and we, we saw Paul praying that, that we would be growing in an understanding of and appreciation of God's love for you, for us, how high and wide and, and long and deep that love for us is. And we've seen that God's power is immeasurably greater than anything we can ask or imagine. So we want to lean into that by taking big steps of faith because we have a big view of what God can do. And then now today, there's one more prayer in Ephesians we want to look at. And this prayer is a little bit different than the last few we've been looking at. Because in the last couple prayers, Paul has been praying for the church at Ephesus. And in this prayer, he kind of turns direction a little bit. And now Paul gets very personal. And, he's, and he says, here's what you can pray for me for. So Paul, Paul gives the church at Ephesus some, some words that he wants them to be praying for him. And so here it is. In Ephesians chapter 6, verses 19 and 20, Paul says, Pray also for me, 
In that, that first phrase, this first phrase in itself is big, isn't it? Because this is the Apostle Paul speaking. Paul, Paul doesn't see his authority in any sort of I'm above everybody else sort of way. He doesn't, he doesn't use position that way. And Paul certainly doesn't look at this as, as he's an every man, is his own island in any sort of independent way. Paul, the Apostle Paul, knows how badly he needs others. So he says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I am an ambassador in chains. Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so, the, so this request comes in Ephesians 6, at the very end of Paul's letter to the Ephesians. It's like he's saying, before I'm done, before I, before I put my pen down, there's one more thing that I've got to say. It's that important to him that he communicates this before he draws his letter to a close. It made me think of that scene in the movie The Christmas Story, that classic Christmas movie that everybody should have watched like at least three times every Christmas. You know the one I'm talking about with Ralphie and the Red Rider BB gun. If you don't know what I'm talking about, your homework this evening is to go home and kind of watch that movie. It's good. But so, so there's this scene in this movie, The Christmas Story, where Ralphie, the main character, we, we know what he wants for Christmas, right? He wants a Red Rider BB gun. And so he has a chance to go sit on Santa's lap at the mall and tell Santa what it is that he wants for Christmas. But, but when Ralphie gets up there, he's surrounded by Santa, a couple of awkwardly creepy elves, if you know the scene that I'm talking about. And, and he clams up. He kind of buckles under the pressure a little bit, and he can't remember what it is he wants to ask for. And so Santa kind of suggests, maybe you want a football. Ralphie mumbles out this, yes, I'll take a football. And then they send him down this big red swirly slide to go back down and meet his parents. But, but Ralphie catches himself on the slide once they start sending him down. He kind of turns around, pulls himself back up, does a pull up on the slide, because, because he hasn't had a chance yet to tell Santa what he really wants and so then he kind of takes the opportunity here in this position. He says, he says, here's technically what he's asking for. He says he wants an official Red Rider carbine action, 200 shot range model air rifle, right? What he's asking for was too important for him not to make that request known. He wouldn't have felt right about himself if he'd gone down that big red slide and, and not asked for the thing that was so close to his heart. Well, well, this is similar to what Paul is doing in Ephesians 6 times a thousand, right? Paul doesn't want to finish this letter without making what is so important to him known as a prayer request. What he's asking for is that big of a deal. And so I want to read Ephesians 6, just those two verses one more time. Verses 19 and 20. And I want you to get very focused. Look with me at this passage. And let's see what specifically it is. Let's get crystal clear on this. What is Paul asking for here? What's so important to him that he's not going to put his pen down before he asks for this? So he says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an ambassador in chains Pray that I may declare it fearlessly as I should. And so, so what Paul is asking for there is more courage. More courage to share the gospel. When we think about when, where Paul is at in his life when he's writing this, that request for more courage to share the gospel, it only gets bigger. 
You see, when Paul is writing these words in Ephesians 6, he is sitting in prison. He's chained to a guard. And in front of him, he's got a trial before this guy by the name of Nero, kind of the emperor of Rome, the highest authority in the land. So, so just think about the pressure Paul must have been feeling when he's writing this. Or, or when Paul writes this, he's been, he's been a minister of the gospel for, for close to three decades, 30 years, and his body bears the marks of that. He has made physical sacrifices to make the gospel known. And so, so, so the reason I'm bringing those things up is because Paul could have had plenty of excuses here to want to throttle back. He's in prison. He could have said, hey, you want to pray for me? Pray that I get out of prison. But he doesn't. He could have thought about the scars on his back and said, I, I've punched my clock. And so, so now it's time for Paul to do what Paul wants to do. Paul could have asked, or could have done any of those things, but he doesn't. He doesn't pull out any excuses. He just asks, asks for more courage. More courage to share the gospel. And he does this because he knows how big of a deal sharing the gospel is. Paul knows, listen to this, Paul knows that advancing the mission of Jesus the thing he's all about, advancing the mission of Jesus, it requires sharing the gospel of Jesus. If we want to make progress here, advancing the mission of Jesus, we have to be faithful and active here. And just so we're uber clear on this, the, the same mission Paul was working towards, making disciples of all nations, making Jesus known great to the ends of the earth, that same mission is the same thing we want to be about as a church. That's why our mission statement is helping people find and follow Jesus. The same thing Paul was about in the first century is the same thing we're still about today. And so, so Brookside, if we're going to see progress here, you have to be faithful. We have to be faithful. We have to be active here. If we want to advance the mission of Jesus, that depends on us Faithfully, actively, obediently sharing the gospel of Jesus. So sharing the gospel is, is mission critical. But I also know how, 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 how nervous Christians get when they think about sharing the gospel, just having, having what, what can be perceived as awkward conversations. I mean, if you're introverted, your, your kind of blood pressure goes way up just thinking about this, right? Or, or you think that sharing the gospel, you, you equate that with kind of what this stereotypical picture of a car salesman is in your mind, and who wants that, you know? Or, or you just think, I don't know what to say, or I don't know how to say it. I can relate to this. This is one area of my life. I raise my hand and say, I always feel like I want to be doing better with sharing the gospel than I am. And when I do take those steps to share the gospel, I always swallow deep. I always kind of break through this perceived awkwardness because for whatever reason, it usually feels awkward. And I just start a conversation. But you know what? When I do that, I am so glad I did. And so today, I just want us to stay focused on Ephesians 6, verses 19 and 20. Because what we see in this passage is, is so insightful and so helpful and helping us get in the game to share the gospel ourselves. 
So, so here's where we're going this morning. If we're going to get in the game and share the gospel, if we're actually going to do that in our everyday lives, in our everyday relationships with the opportunities that we have, we have to get these three things right. So here's where we're going this morning. If we want to get in the game and share the gospel, we need a heart and a mind and a life. Our whole selves need to be on fire for the gospel. If you're going to get in the game and share the gospel, you need the confidence that you really do have something to say. And then if we're going to get in the game and share the gospel, we need to be motivated by a sense of glad obedience. And here's the difference these things make. If we get these things right, here's the difference it makes. I just want you to picture one person you're praying for, for the opportunity to share the gospel with. Maybe it's somebody you've known for a long time. Or maybe it's somebody you just met last week. But, but if we do these things, if we get these things right, we will have more courage to share the gospel and more confidence in doing so. And we all want more courage and confidence in sharing the gospel. And then if you're not a follower of Jesus and you're here today, we say this all the time, but we're glad you're here. Genuinely, legitimately, thanks for being here. We know there's lots of other places you could be, so, so we're glad you're here joining us for worship this morning. And my guess is you're, you're here because you want to understand Christianity a little bit better. If you tune in today, you're going to see behind the curtain at something that is central to Christianity. You're going to see why we talk about Jesus so much, just genuinely as an overflow of who we are as Christians. And hopefully you'll see that we do this as an expression of care. And so let's, let's look at the first statement. We will get in the game and we'll, we'll share the gospel of Jesus if we have a heart and a mind and a life that is on fire for the gospel. A few weeks ago, I went to go see the new Star Wars movie with, uh, with my two older boys, 12-year-old and a 10-year-old. So we, we watched the movie, and the movie is done. Lights are going up. Credits are still scrolling on the screen. So I look over at my two older boys, and I say, so guys, what would you think of the movie? And my 10-year-old is just sitting there, mouth like really literally open, like, like that. And he's just saying, that was amazing, you know? I mean, and then for the whole rest of the way home, they were so captivated by the movie that all we did was talk about the movie. It was just the natural overflow of them being captivated by it. Paul was captivated by the gospel. He could not talk about it. And he's so captivated by it that the most natural thing to do is to proclaim, hey, hey help, me, help me proclaim it fearlessly, like he's asking for in Ephesians 6. And then if we flip back just a few chapters in Ephesians to Ephesians chapter 2, we, we see what it is about the gospel that had captivated Paul so much that makes him say, with scars on his back, that makes him say, help me proclaim this gospel fearlessly. As I should. So, let, so let's look at Ephesians 2, because we want to see what it is about Paul, or, or what it is about the gospel that, that got into Paul the way it did. So Ephesians 2, verses 4 to 10, he writes, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy. So, so God, great in love, rich in mercy. That's the God that we worship. God made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions. It is by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus. 
in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith. And this not of yourselves, it's the gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. For we are God's handiwork, created in Christ Jesus to do good works, which God prepared in advance for us to do. If we, if we were just going to camp in that passage, we'd just start be able to, to be able to pull out all sorts of ways. Good news is all over this passage. That there's good news about what we're saved from. Our desperate state of sinfulness. We are, we are dead in our transgressions without the grace of Jesus Christ. That there, there's good news about what we're saved by. God's grace through faith. So this isn't what we do, right? Because we can't do anything to earn that. It's what Jesus has done for us. There's good news about what we're saved for, for an eternal relationship with God through Jesus Christ that never, ever, ever, ever ends. And we're saved for meaningful impact, good works here in this life. I mean, that's good news. After hearing that, we should all be sitting here with our mouths open, just saying, that is amazing. Paul knew how good this good news is. It wasn't just some idea to him that he held at arm's length and studied from any sort of distance. See, see this gospel, this good news that we want to be all about as a church, this gospel had gotten inside of Paul and had transformed his thinking, his attitudes, his relationships, his actions, everything about him. That's why in Ephesians 6, that's why he's asking, God, help me to proclaim this gospel fearlessly as I should. Now, how about you? Is the gospel good news to you? Does does the truths we've looked at, does does it cause you to just drop your mouth open in wonder? Does it cause you to say, that is amazing? Or has the gospel become bland? Hey, has the gospel become tasteless in your life? Hey, has the gospel become so familiar to you in, in, in the negative sense of that word that's like, mm, yeah, that's the gospel, where, where you nod your head in agreement to the truth, but it does nothing inside of you? Maybe the greatest takeaway from this sermon for you is just, is just praying, God, reignite my heart for the gospel. Maybe it's just closing your eyes and praying. Maybe for the first time, God, ignite my heart by the gospel. We never stop doing this. In my office on my desk, I've got a piece of paper that has, that has five things I always want to keep in front of me. And on that list, number two, is stand daily on the gospel. We never stop reminding ourselves what we've been saved from, what we've been saved by, what we've been saved for, and saying, God, give us hearts that are amazed at what you've done for us in Christ Jesus. And so if we're going to get in the game and share the gospel, we need hearts that are on fire with the gospel. And then you also need the confidence that you really do have something to say. 
So I'm a classic over-preparer, right? Just kind of my personality uh, probably drives my wife crazy. And so my, my biggest preaching nightmare is that I will get up here, I've lit, have this nightmare multiple times, is that I'll get up here on a Sunday morning and I have nothing to say. I've forgotten to pray and study and prepare earlier that week, right? And so I wake up in a cold sweat, you know, because I want to have something worthwhile to say. I just can't do extemporaneous. As I talk with others about, about sharing the gospel, one of the most, probably the most frequent hesitation I hear from other people is that they say, I don't know what to say. I, I, don't, I don't know how to say it. So for any of those that can relate to this sort of thing, I'm so glad Paul includes the request that he starts verse 19 with, where he says, pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given to me. Just like us, Paul wants to say the right things. And so, so Paul is asking here for God's wisdom and God's direction so that he, he, he can speak the gospel sensitively and appropriately into whatever unique situation he finds himself in. He, he's asking for this wisdom and this direction whenever he speaks. It's right there in the passage, right? And so, so, so he wants to be open to the promptings of the Spirit wherever he finds himself. So that means just Paul has his eyes wide open all the time to how God might direct and use his words. Paul is approaching every conversation, every relationship as an opportunity just to say, to say okay, maybe I say something big, maybe I say something small, but I want to say something if given the opportunity to, to shed light on the gospel, to, to, to help people take a step towards Jesus, to help people make sense of what Jesus has done. And I think there's a lesson for us in this as well. In my experience, too often we have a limited view of all the ways God wants to use what we say. Too often we have a small view of all the opportunities we are in that God can use to advance his mission through us. We can sometimes think that, that if we're not laying out a full gospel presentation, and, and that if we don't do it perfectly, we don't have anything to say or anything to contribute. But that is not the case. So here's where this pastor and author by the name of Tim Keller is so helpful for us here because, because he gives us a bigger vision for, for how we can take uh, everyday steps in the rhythms of life we're already in to take incremental, intermediate steps. Yes, we want to share the gospel with people, but there's lots of things we can do to, to push the ball down the field as we seek to do this very genuinely and out of care. And so, so I'm going I'm to fly through these, these tips that Tim Keller gives uh, don't try to write these down, right? I'm going to go too fast for you. These are going to be on our website, on our messages page, right next to the community questions. So if you want to see that what I'm going to say, you can find them there. But, but just pay attention to me up here for a minute while I rifle through these, these tips for how we can share the gospel naturally, genuinely, in the everyday rhythms of our lives. So, so here's what Tim Keller suggests. He says, first of all, just let people around you know you're a Christian, and do this in a very natural and unforced way. There are ways all of us can do that in the relationships we have. Another thing he mentions is, is just listen to your friends. No agenda. You're not thinking of what you're going to say next. You just listen to them. Talk about their faith. You listen to them talk about their problems and their struggles. Another thing you want to do is you want to offer to pray for them. It's so meaningful. Another thing you can do is open up with your own problems. And then share how Jesus makes a difference, how knowing Jesus makes a difference as you approach your own issues. 
You share your own story about how you came to know Jesus and why you decided to follow him. You invite them to a church event or, or a church service project. You can offer to read the Bible with them. And for those of you that want to try this out, you just start with one of the Gospels. Is usually where we point people towards first. Start with the Gospel of Mark or the Gospel of Luke and just read it and discuss it with them. Take them to explore the group that we offer here at Brookside for people who are looking into and investigating Christianity. You can answer their questions and objections. And then if you don't know the answer, because nobody knows everything, right? You just, you just admit it. It's okay. And then you work to find a response to that. And then, and then there's also certainly the time where we want to share the gospel of Jesus Christ, who Jesus is, what Jesus has done, and invite a response from the person we're talking to. So, so there's the list. And, and the reason I share you all those things, I just want to give you a bigger vision. And I want to show you that, that all of us can do some of these things in the relationships that you already have, in the rhythms of life that you're already in. All of us can help advance the mission of Jesus and, and take some of these incremental, everyday, natural steps to help people find Jesus. So if we're going to get in the game and, and share the gospel, we need hearts that are on fire for the gospel. You need the confidence that you have something to say. You, you've seen that you do have something to say in those tips we just looked at. And then we also need to be motivated by a sense of glad obedience. Here's where we look at verse 20, at the very end of Paul's prayer request. He says, pray that I may declare it. Pray that I may declare the mystery of the gospel fearlessly as I should. If you guys underline in your Bibles or circle or highlight or whatever you do, those three words, as I should, is one of those phrases to, to highlight or, or underline or circle because, because Paul knows that sharing the gospel isn't optional. It's necessary but Paul, at the same time, he knows that, that he's not dragging his feet. That's not his posture while he does this. In 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul, uh, we see kind of Paul's motivation for why he does what he does. Check it out. 2 Corinthians 5.14, Paul says, For Christ's love compels us. Because we're convinced that one died for all, therefore all died. So, so Paul is compelled. Yes, true story. He can't not share the gospel and it's Christ's love that drives this compulsion, that, that drives this obedience in him. So there's nothing reluctant about it. It's an eager and a glad obedience. We need to hear this. Sharing the gospel isn't just something you do if you feel like it. It's not just something for extroverts. Sharing the gospel isn't just for those people that have the spiritual gift of evangelism. Sharing the gospel is for every follower of Jesus Christ. Sharing the gospel is a matter of obedience, motivated by Christ's great, tremendous, jaw-dropping love for us. So advancing the mission of Jesus, it requires sharing the gospel of Jesus. So if we're going to get in the game on this, we, we need to just review what we've looked at. We need these things. We need hearts that are on fire for the gospel. You need the confidence that you do have something to say in the opportunities and the relationships you're in. And then we need to be motivated by this sense of glad 
obedience. So now, just like we've done with each of the prayers we've been looking at in the Seek More series, we're just going to put this prayer up on the screens, and we're going to make this prayer what we end this with this morning. Where, where, where we want to listen to this prayer, but, but not in a passive sense, because I'm going to say these words for us, but, but all of us, our posture here is one of request. Our, our posture here is one of ownership. God, do this in me. And so, so, so now picture that person you want to share the gospel with. Again, maybe somebody you've known for a long time, or maybe somebody you just met, but, but picture that person. And, and, then, and then let's pray this prayer. So, so I'll say it for us. So pray also for me that whenever I speak, words may be given me so that I will fearlessly make known the mystery of the gospel for which I'm an, amb- for which I'm an ambassador. Pray that I, may, that I may proclaim it fearlessly as I should. Amen. All right. Well, I'm going to take a hard turn now. Today is Group Link Sunday. So in just a second, Lorinda's going to come up and tell us about some of those processes that'll help you get connected to a group this morning. But, but, but as we talk about groups, we talk all the time about the value they add for, for growing together spiritually and for finding deep friendships about the things that matter most. But, but don't miss the value that community groups offer, even for what we talked about today. Paul knew he needed others to have the courage to share the gospel, right? That's why this prayer is a prayer request for Paul. Pray for me, he says. And so in the same way, these groups are such a great place to find encouragement and wisdom and support as we seek to be a church that is known for, for caringly, genuinely sharing the gospel. So Lorinda, we'll talk to you through the logistics.